Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Last night, we are in the altar experience. And all of a sudden, I just had everybody say the name of Jesus. And they kind of softly said it. And I said, and and at that moment, prophetically, it's like I saw a vision of heaven. At the moment people say the name Jesus, even the angels go. So, if demons flee, if mountains tremble, if the nations bows, if dictators have to go to their knees, if governments shift... And if your life can shift, can we just give the name of Jesus a shout and watch what happens? Jesus! So from now on, when you say that name, as long as you're not cussing and driving on I-4, amen, y'all know you backslide on I-4. You just need to know that something happens on your behalf. Give him one more praise. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so stirred for tonight. And I know the speakers that are speaking tomorrow night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And I will tell you, they're men of honor, they're men of authority, men of wisdom, men of purity. You don't want to miss. This whole week has been designed. It was on your calendar before you were born. God was already planning for what he was going to do for you tonight at the Awakened Gathering. And then tomorrow night and so on and so forth. And let me just tell you, do not miss it. It's going to be a move of the Spirit. I I believe this with all my heart. I just want to say one more time how much I love this house, how much I love your pastors. Pastor Carl and Pastor Alice are the real deal. They have been gifts to Karen and I for a long, long time. And I just want to say to them, thank you for leading with purity and distinction as apostolic voices to this nation. Can we give it up for our pastors? They, They really are the real deal. You know, as I get ready to move into this word, my beautiful wife, Karen, sends you greetings. She's getting ready to be traveling for the next three or four weeks. There she is. That girl, that girl's fine. Mm-hmm. She sends greetings to you. Many of you know she's been here and spoke many times. She was actually coming, and our daughter is wrapping up her last two weeks of high school, and then uh, she'll be graduating, going to Southwestern, and then about 35, maybe 40 years, we're going to plan for her wedding, and it's exciting. It's exciting times ahead. Long way down the road, because I have guns, amen? I live in Texas. But... She, Karen sends you greetings. She just texted a few moments ago, and she said, man, I was watching the service. She said, she said, I've been praying. But I want to get into this word. Some of you know that Karen and I have wrote several books together, but we wrote Rebuilding the Altar. And what I love is I was talking to Pastor about these altars. Do you all know that these altars have been in three, the, the, the three buildings now? And that for 40 years, people have knelt at these altars. That ought to fire you up because we wrote a book called Rebuilding the Altar. That fires me up, the church that still believes in the encounter. Give God one more praise. Would you do that? But last year we wrote a book and it came out just before the pandemic. Not knowing that in the Jewish calendar a year ago, the year was 5780. The number 80 is pay in the Hebrew. It means praise, shout, roar. 
Not knowing that this last September when we have Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish calendar, we're going to 5781. We're in the year of 81 right now. And it means praise, shout, roar, bare your teeth. We didn't know the stuff that would be happening. Can I preach some truth today? Because we're living in a day and age where truth is a new hate speech. And the enemy of truth is silence. And we're living in a day and age where people think they can culture or cancel you. Because you still believe in the move of the Spirit or, or you believe in the life of an unborn or you believe in godly marriage or you believe in different things or you believe that identity cannot be robbed. Are you with me so far? But I believe with all my heart God is calling for those of us to rise up with a holy fire once again in the season of the separation of the sheep and the goats. And remember, a goat will eat anything. And God is saying, I'm looking for those that will stand for righteousness. Those that will rise up, and I believe we are on the verge, and I'll talk about it more tonight, of the greatest move of God our nation has ever seen. But I also know there's an all-out war taking place. And Karen and I last year released a new book called Restore the Roar. And this book was about when God healed her of cancer, but about standing up and standing firm. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that and a little bit about it tonight. And I want to encourage you to stop by the table after service and grab it if you don't have it. And in fact, all of our books, all sales, every bit of it goes to Abby's house, an orphanage we're building in Moldova for 12 girls. Because my daughter came to us about six months ago and she said, Mom and Dad, the first house I want to build has to be for the girls we rescue, not for us. And, uh, and so I just wanted you to know that. But would you watch this video as I get ready to preach this word? I'm going to be preaching. Who's at your door? Watch this. A learned or perceived aberration or hallucination that grows into an absolute. fear today will often determine how others experience God tomorrow. But I hear the sound of a roar coming from the bride. Tell my lions roar once again. See, when we wrote this book, we had no idea what was coming. We had no idea that a disease would come into this nation and around the world that would rob you of your ability to breathe, your ability to roar. The Bible says in Job 33 verse 4, the Spirit of God made me, but the breath of God gives me life. And see, what you have to understand is I've come to, to confront some things. I want to confront fear for a moment because it's a liar. Fear is to hell what faith is to the believer. I love what Billy Sunday said. He said... Lo, fear knocked at the door. Faith answered and nobody was there. But see, what you have to understand as I get ready to move into this word, God shifted what I was going to share this morning. Not, I, it was a radical shift. It was on the flight here. He said, no, I want you to ask them who's at their front door. So I've got to preach this. In fact, go ahead and open your Bibles to 2 Kings of, uh, chapter 4. I'm going to get into it in just a moment. But I've got to go from a different perspective. In fact, I've come to tell somebody that's been going through something, get ready. God's about to move. In fact, your past is not your prison. It's your university. And what you've been through is a great indication of who you're called to. See, you have to know my heart. We cannot go back to the way it was before the pandemic. 
God is looking for boldness. He's looking for warriors that will rise up and roar again. The wicked flee for no reason, but the righteous are as bold as lions. What are you talking about, Pat? In just a few moments as I move into this, there's a stirring that's going to begin to happen. We saw it last night. We saw it in first service this morning. But there's an understanding wherever you're sitting at right now. God has been whispering. I'm trying to get your attention. Matthew 10, 27. What I whisper to you in the dark, you'll proclaim from the rooftops. That's my life first. I've spent my whole life by the whisper. And tonight you'll find out that God also shouts. But I love what it says in Psalms 34, verse 17. Yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them, come and rescue them from all their troubles. Amos chapter 3, verse 8 says, The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Why did I share those verses? Because God says, I'm looking for those that will finally stand up and say, enough is enough. You can't have my family, devil. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my house. You can't have... Somebody help me preach. See, there's a moment, and I know you, because I feel like this with all my heart, I feel like some of your families are going to awaken. And that may be hard to see right now. Because maybe in the last year you've opened the door to things you would have never let in your house. Whether it's Ben's watching Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime, things that you would have never allowed but over time. See, the twin sister of fear is lethargy and it's hit the church. Just you being here this morning is a big deal. We're so proud of you for being here. Because we watched in three days... The church was shut down. What took Hitler three years to do, a virus did in three days. And what you have to understand is, I have decided to tell you, we deem the church essential. If Walmart's essential, we're essential. Because we're still the place where people can come in and have an encounter and get set free and get healed and get delivered. We're still that place. But I gotta preach. Who's at your door? I have to declare it's Psalms 5 verse 3 when, when Karen was walking through leukemia before God radically healed her. It was a miracle healing after one year. Her, her doctor who is pre-Christian he's not saved yet. He's getting close though. Looked at us and said how did the, her blood changed? He said how? And I said I'll tell you how. Jesus. Well, well, well. No. Jesus. What? Jesus. But I love this verse because this is the verse that we read over and over during our battle. And it's simply this. At each and every sunrise, you'll hear my voice as, it, as, as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. But I have learned that there's that moment where God has to shift you. He has to wake you up. It's almost like Something, you hear the knock, the, the stirring, it's, it's hard to see. T.L. Osborne said it best, he said, physical eyesight can blind spiritual vision. It's when you start going, wait a minute, I, I remember when we used to pray, I remember when we used to worship, I remember when we used to, but now, now we've, we've, we're living a life behind a mask and we're locked behind our doors and we're so afraid of, of getting close to anybody. Can I tell you that sin is a much greater virus? And there's a battle raging for the souls of our nation right now. 
And we must awaken because I hear the knock. It's Song of Solomon. I love Song of Solomon. Chapter 5, verse 2. Don't read Song of Solomon unless you're married. But anyway. <laughs> I'll just move on. After this, I let my devotion slumber. But my heart for him stayed awake. I had a dream. I dreamed of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkest night. The melody of the man I love awakened me. What's tonight called? Awaken. I heard his knock at my heart's door. As he pleaded with me, arise, my love. Open your heart, my darling. Deeper still to me will you receive me this dark night. And this is exactly what God is doing. He's standing at the door knocking. I wrote, I wrote that article, the church must be different in 2021 because it can't be about stage presence anymore. It's got to be about his presence. It can't be about light, sound, and inaction anymore. It's got to be about encounters. It's what we saw in first service. It's what we're going to see tonight. It's Pastor John leading. Everything ends at the cross. It's a stirring inside of us that it's not about production anymore. It's about power and walking in freedom and authority. And what you have to know is I believe this with all my heart. Listen closely. This is the year of the prodigal awakening. This is the year where you're going to see son to sons and daughters come home because something is happening and the America is shifting. The nations are shifting and God is saying, I'm calling them back to me. And the knock that you hear at the door of your heart is that of a wounded savior desperately trying to find a bride that is awakened to his presence and ready for him to be head of the house again. And what you have to understand is Revelation 3 says he stands at the door knocking. We think that's a salvation verse. It is not. He is talking to the church he's saying you've gotten so good at having church you don't need me anymore but what I need you to realize is during that pandemic I was praying one morning when we were all locked out and, 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 and all of a sudden I realized we feel like Jesus feels we're out on the porch maybe this time when we go in we take him with us and that's why I love faith, because this place still believes in the move of the Spirit, still believes in the outpouring. But can I say this to you? Write this down. Wake up and be angry. In a moment, I'm going to take you to a verse in 2 Kings chapter 4. How many of you wake up in good moods? How many of you live with someone that doesn't? I, I know. That's why God created coffee. You have to understand, I live in a house that believes in coffee. And they believe in whispering until you get it. But have you ever woke up mad? Karen and I both have a sleep disorder called Revelation. We have dreams. She has way better ones than me. We have prophetic dreams. I'll tell about one tonight that, that we both had the same night of a move of God that's coming. But most of my dreams are just weird. And I'm just happy to have clothes on in them. Our kids used to hate it because God would show us stuff before they did things. And so I'd say, Nate, come here. I'm going to have to spank you. You know what I saw the Lord do? Or I saw you do in the dream. And the Lord, I've got to do according to the Lord's word. And he goes, what? I go, no, you did it in the dream. But I hadn't done it yet. I know. Let's go ahead and get it over with now. <laughs> But true story, one night I'm sound asleep. True story, sound asleep. And in this dream, I'm fighting ninjas. My daughter loves that because she's Asian. So it's like, whoa, okay. True story, Savvy's like, that's awesome. But in my sleep, I'm fighting ninjas and I'm actually winning. I never win in my sleep. 
but I'm, I'm fighting. I'm just like fighting. I don't know what I've been watching or, or, or anyway. And so, so all of a sudden, true story, in my sleep, all of a sudden, I go to punch a ninja. But after that, it's a blur. Because I was awakened uncharacteristically by my wife getting punched back. <laughs> True story. This woman who preaches all over the world and writes amazing, yep, she's got a little temper. And so all of a sudden, I apparently in my sleep went, gotcha, ninja. And she woke up getting hit. And I woke up and I'm looking at her and she's leaning over me and she goes, don't you ever do that again. I don't care if you were dreaming. <laughs> I may have wet the bed. I'll never tell. I may have rolled over and fell asleep with my, sucking my thumb. I won't talk about it anymore. But you know what I want you to do? I want you to wake up and be angry. And the Bible tells a story of a woman that got a knock. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, the Bible says this, and I'm going to go into it. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, who was Elisha, the assistant to Elijah, who was Elijah. His name meant judgment. Who was Elisha? His name meant salvation. It was the John the Baptist and Jesus of the New Testament, a representation there. We know that Elijah went up to heaven, but you have to understand he had an assistant that the mantle fell upon. We know that Elijah did eight miracles. We know that Elisha did 16 miracles. How many of you know you need to learn how to pass on this thing? And the Bible says a woman comes to the prophet Elisha. And she says, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered God. Put me around somebody that reveres God. That means your character doesn't change when my mood does. That means when somebody says something or something pops on your TV, you automatically turn it off. Because there's a reference. You know that he revered the Lord. And now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Listen to me. God is trying to wake people up in this place to say it is time. It is time to rise up with some authority. So I want you to shout this out. Somebody say, the anointing breaks the yoke. So the Bible says, this woman's husband. A lot of people don't realize who this woman's husband was. Look what it says in 1 Kings. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in the land. You know, the word famine means to be bent over with extreme thirst. We have a famine in the land for the word of the Lord. Read Amos. That's when God stands to the altar. And Ahab had called Obadiah. 
So what you must understand is a lot of people don't realize this because we're now going backwards. What's happening in 2 Kings chapter 4, you'll understand it when you look back at 1 Kings chapter 18. In other words, God's got a memory. In other words, something you do back here will meet you up here. There's a reason why Jesus was crucified between two thieves yesterday and tomorrow because he stands in my today. But what you've got to realize is something you did back here for the Lord might meet you right up here because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not getting this yet. Some of you are here today and don't even understand it. It's because your grandmother prayed way back then and it met you this morning and said get up and go to church. You're not getting it yet. I'm trying to teach you something for a second. What you do back here, what you reap you shall sow. What I have spoken over my children for years I'm now starting to see that harvest over here. Why? Because God says if you'll say it back there if you'll sow it back there I'll meet it up here. Cast your bread upon the water and see if it doesn't meet you down there. And the Bible says there's a guy by the name of Obadiah who was most likely the husband of this widow. The Bible says that he worked in the house of Ahab and Jezebel. Would you quit complaining about where you work? You might be God's spy. Sent on assignment. And every time you talk trash on the way home from work, you delay it. And the Bible says that while he's working for Ahab and Jezebel, he gets off work each day and he stops by two caves where he's held 50 prophets over here and 50 prophets over there because if Ahab or Jezebel finds out about him, she's going to kill them. So he gets off work, working for the enemy, stops by, and it goes on to say in the verse, it says that he fed them with food and water every day. And what you got to understand is I'm trying to teach you something here. I'm trying to show you something here. There's a moment where God has a memory. So while Elijah was rebuilding the altar, he was protecting the prophets. And then he dies. Can I just be honest with you? I'm mad at the enemy. Not some carnal mad. But Ephesians 4, 26 mad. Where the apostle Paul said, be angry and sin not. I'm angry that the identity of a generation is being stolen. I'm angry that we're killing children in America unabated. I'm angry that the media gets paid to, to scare us but also divide us. I'm angry that it's become about the color of skin instead of the content of character and heart. Can I preach this for a second? Because you have to understand that, that, that no racists are going to be in heaven. And so you just have to realize that right there. But I'm angry at what's going on. A dividing and the house divided cannot stand. When we have to lock arms, we got to dream together. We got to praise together. We got to cry out together. We got to lay hands together. We got to do authority together. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. I'm angry because we're living in a day where nice messages what worked before the pandemic will no longer work. Nice messages and cool services just allow demons to make fodder of God's people. But I want you to understand, we must become the voices of truth in the land of the saltless church and the wandering saint. And like Reese Howe, the great intercessor, his intercessor said, until there's a conviction, until there's a conviction of need, there will never be a desire for change. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying God is looking for a church that will rise up with a holy roar that will say, you can't have my family. You can't have my nation. You can't have our children. Somebody help me. I watched 
three weeks ago at a public high school in Florida. Three solid, three weeks ago. One of the places we were just at, we saw an entire, bring that picture up. We saw an entire high school, whole school, radically saved. Three weeks ago. Do you understand? God is saying, I'm looking, but you got to wake up. Some of you heard me tell the story when my son was in high school. He was being recruited for sports. And God gave Karen and I both the prophetic dream that something happened to him, that he was killed in a car accident. Same night, we both woke up. I said, I got to tell you about my dream. Karen said, I had, I had to tell you about the dream I had. I literally went and sold my son's car that day because <laughs> I'm dad. And I can. But then we began to realize it was a spiritual dream. And we went to war and we began to realize that he was being recruited for football. And, and we didn't know that he would end up becoming an incredible youth pastor. And now he's a helps lead a church in Dallas. And pretty soon he's going to be running for Congress because he believes in the life of the unborn children. Somebody help me for a second. See, it ain't about, it ain't, it ain't about donkey or elephants. It's about lambs. But we knew there was a war for him. Do you know the enemy wants your seed? He wants to take your children. He wants to try to take what he didn't pay for. He wants to convince them that God messed up on them. And I'll never forget, we were getting ready for school one morning. Nate's getting ready for school. He's a senior. Abby was in second grade. And, and some of you have heard me share this, but it, it hit me again today when it talks about waking up. I, I guess, you know what I've learned? If the enemy can't make you sin, he just makes you busy. And the number one commandment that we break in the Bible, especially the called, the number one commandment we break is called sabbatical. We don't know how to rest in him. But I'll never forget, we were running around the world, preaching around the world, writing books, doing the whole thing. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that morning, Nate gets up. We're eating breakfast. Everybody's in a hurry to get out of the house. And Nate goes, Dad, somebody's on the back porch. And I looked out the window on the back porch. Just before that happened, Abby goes, Daddy, somebody's out there. Karen goes, Pat, somebody's on our back porch. This is when we lived in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'll never forget, I turned around, and I see this hooded beast, like a man on our back porch. It freaked me out. And immediately, I take off running outside because I'm a redneck. <laughs> hey, watch this. <laughs> and immediately, I start running out there. I mean, I'm like, let's, let's fight. I mean, there's no, we get in fights for no reason. We're like, let's just go. I may have even taken my shirt off because mama said, don't rip your shirt. <laughs> and I remember running out the door and I got out there. Nothing was there. And our whole family saw it. And God says, the enemy's visiting your house, build me an altar. And it shifted our home and we went to war. But see, until there's a conviction of need, you won't wake up. And you know what I've learned, church? I'm, I'm being honest with you. I have learned this. I have learned that, that the enemy will seduce you with normal. But where is the supernatural? John 14, 12, the greater works. Where is the power and demonstration of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 that Paul talked about? I don't come with you with great speeches. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said that said, he's the only reason why we don't have revivals because we're willing to live without it. And I've come to tell you something. The creditor's at the front door. He's at the front door of every house in this nation. 
He's at your front door and he's saying, you know what I want? I want your children. I can't have you, but I want your grandkids. Why do you think every single day I declare over my two grandsons, Jackson and Anderson, I tell them when they come over the house, you're going to change the world. You are called to be mighty. You are called to be powerful. I prophesy their future because I did it over Nate. I did it over Abby. I'll never forget when Abby was little and I would say to her every night, Abby, you're a princess and a champion. And one night I walked past her room. It's real late at night. And all of a sudden as I walked past her room, uh, I hear, she's still awake. And I looked in there and I said, Abby, what are you doing? Because I've always told her, you're a princess and a champion. And all of a sudden, I look in the room, I go, what are you doing? She goes, Daddy. I said, what? She goes, you're a princess and a champion. <laughs> I agreed with her. But the creditors at the front door, and the Bible says the creditors were knocking. I looked up the word creditors. You know what the word creditor in the Greek is? It's noshaw. You, know you know what that word means? Extortioner. You know what an extortioner does? An extortioner usually holds your past against you. See, you can't make your past happy. You can't fix where you've been. And he'll hold your past. I'm going to take your children because of what you did in high school. You have no right. You've been through this. How dare you pray for them? What is the stuff you've been doing? The enemy loves to throw your past. And it's amazing. You know, every time you remind Jesus of your past, he goes, I don't remember. Because the Bible says he sits upon the mercy seat. What flows over the mercy seat? The blood. Where is my sin? Under the blood. How is he to see what he's sitting on? But you continually remind him, but God, if I hadn't done this, and you're running around wearing some scarlet letter that the world has put on you, and I, he put a letter on there called R for redeemed. He said, I bought you. I've already paid for you. Quit reminding me. Sometimes you're like, you're like giving your testimony. You're in the middle of giving your testimony to somebody, and he's leaning over going, um, <laughs> what are you talking about? And there's a moment where you begin to rise up. Grandparents, moms, dad, it's John 10, 10. The thieves come but to, to kill, steal, and destroy. Why are we so fired up about tonight? Because there's a moment where you rise up and say, I've had enough, and I'm not putting up with this. And some of us have been walking in supernatural fear. And it reminds me, we write about it in the book, when Karen was under attack, and the enemy was coming at her, and, and she felt like she was going to die from leukemia. All the blood reports, all the doctor's reports. And one morning, Holy Spirit gave her a form and I just felt like early this morning God said you're going to share that again what is the formula that we find in 2 Timothy the Lord spoke to her for God didn't give us a spirit of fear but a power love and soundness of mind do you understand there's a moment where you got to shift open the back door and say thoughts get out fear get out I have made up my mind I'm not going back to this thing no matter who's knocking on your door The Bible says he gave us power. What is power? Dunamis. The ability to change the atmosphere. You have the authority to walk into your house today and say, I've had enough of this. We're going back to God. We're turning on worship. We're going to pray again. We're going to get bold again. You have the power. You are a mobile upper room. Love. Agape. The only pure emotion in the Bible. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. Love doesn't give up. Love doesn't quit. It persists. It trusts. And soundness of mind. Literally, I'm telling you the truth. This changed our life. 
It's blown up on my office wall and Karen's office wall. Why? Because the enemy knows how to whisper lies. But when he whispers, my God is standing on the front porch as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is roaring, saying, you can't have them. You're not going to mess with it. But soundness of mind, that's a two-part word in the Greek. Sophroneo. It literally means, listen to this, a mind that's been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, brought into a place of safety and security so that it no longer is affected by illogical, unfounded, absurd thoughts. In other words, you have the power to say, that ain't from God. Get out of here. I'm not going to die by a virus. I'm not going to lose my kids. I'm not going to lose my marriage. Help me preach. There's a war. And the enemy is coming. I'm reminded of last summer in June. All of a sudden, I lost my mother, Precious. She was the first woman saved in our family. First person saved in our family. She was my cheerleader every Sunday morning, praying for you, baby. She suddenly went to heaven last June. Two weeks later, I was preaching in South Alabama, went to the beach after the service, went to take a nap. I never take naps, but I got exhausted. I went to lay down. I said, Karen, I'm going to take a little nap. And I went to lay down, and immediately I fell asleep. And I'm looking at this old house. How many of you understand there's a battle going on? I have come to wake you out of your lethargy and to tell you there's a battle going on. Quit doing normal. Get to heaven with nothing left to do. Are you getting this so far? And I'll never forget, I went to lay down and I'm laying and I fell asleep and I'm looking at this old house in my sleep and I see this old house and I see this giant, gigantic winged black, blackened beast like a, a demonic force and I see it tearing the roof off the house and I'm watching this in my sleep standing in the yard suddenly it reaches in with its talons and grabs a small child out and begins to fly away and I'm in the front yard and I go hey hey drop the child drop the I'm, this is dream drop the child and it said no and I said in Jesus name drop the child and he lets go and I ran and caught this little boy and I woke up. I said, I mean, I sat straight up and I said, can you not believe this dream I just had? Two hours later, my little brother pastors an amazing church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I get a phone call. He's on the ground. He's dead. He's had a sudden heart attack at 48 years old. He's gone. He's at a cabin in the woods for his daughter's graduation party. He's gone. His staff pastor is on the phone with me. They're screaming. The ambulance is on the way. It took him 22 minutes to get to him. It took 22 minutes to get his heart started back when they finally got it back. But the entire time this is happening because of that dream, I knew what it was about. I'll always see my brother as a little boy. I'm on the ground in a condo, literally bruising my knuckles, screaming, let go of the child. In Jesus' name, let go of the child. Let go of the child. Let go of the child. Let go of the child let go of the child my knuckles were bruised and I was warring and doing battle my brother later told us that when he was dead he could hear the screams of people praying he was in a room and you're not getting what I'm saying they got him back in two weeks he preaches again for the first time in a year you ain't getting this yet I serve a God somebody help me preach I serve a God it says I'm warning you something's coming but you got authority you got power you can say let go of the child let let go of my family. And we're allowing the next generation's identity to be stolen by the spirit of the Antichrist. 
whose number one goal is to talk them out of their destiny and their birthright. And God is saying enough. And in a day and age where 34% have grown up without a dad, in a day and age of a compassion crisis, where we won't tell people the truth because we don't want to offend them because we love their soul more than their spirit. Wake up. And all he says to her, and I'm closing. First lie. First time I lied to you, I'm closing. I'm joking. Some of you are like, what do you say? In a minute, I'm going to get the band up here to fake y'all out. And all he said to her was, look what the word says. He said, what do you have in your home? Oh, I've got a, some really great series I've been watching on Netflix. What can I do for you? What do you have in your home? The Bible says. And she says, sir, we ain't got nothing. We've sold it all. But we do got one thing. All I have left is some oil. Somebody say the anointing breaks the yoke. Isaiah 10, 27. She says, I ain't got much. But I'll tell you what I got. All I've got is everybody thinks it's cooking oil. But the word there in the Hebrew, shemen, is the same word used for anointing. You have to get where I'm going with this church. You got to understand what I'm talking about. Can you hear this widow? Her eyes are swollen. She's exhausted. She's weary. She's done. She, they're taking her boys. And they said, well, what you got? The prophet says, what you got left? And she says, all my husband left me was the anointing. All my husband left me was the spirit of the giver. All my husband left me was the authority that he used to anoint prophets and get you ain't getting this. And that you don't think you have much left in your house. Some of you are still alive because of that grandmama that prayed for you. And God is saying, you may not feel like you have anything left, but I'll tell you what's there. There's an anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. And the Bible literally says, are you getting this so far? My God has a memory. He remembers what he did back at the caves and he knew someday the enemy was coming to knock on the door up here so while that man was sewing back here God says I'll tell you what I'll do take the oil that you had anointed those prophets with 50 in each cave the day is coming well I will reproduce the anointing in your house and it will come be- all I have left it's the spirit of a giver. All I have left is the heart of sacrifice. See, I may not leave my family much. Come on, worship team. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to leave them. I'm going to leave them find me on my knees in the morning time when they get up. I'm going to leave them at the sound of my voice praying in tongues as they're getting ready for school. I may not leave much. I'm going to leave him an authority and God is saying, there's something in your house. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, he says, go get all the vessels and shut the door. Can you see these boys? See, God will let your children experience the miracle. They're running around the neighborhood going, mama wants your cups. Mama needs everything and don't argue with it because she's crazy. She's on a mission. And they're running into the house and they're taking every cup, every glass, 
every dish. And all of a sudden, she takes the anointing that's in the oil or in the horn and begins to pour it. And it just starts reproducing and filling up cup after cup after cup after cup. Stand with me. He said, shut the door. She keeps pouring. Can you see the kids going, are you serious? This is awesome. We should sell this on QVC. Because the next generation tends to try to sell what we don't pay for. And the Bible says it all of a sudden. The oil stopped. When did it stop? When they ran out of vessels. Do you know the word vessel in the Hebrew there is skus? It literally means the same exact word for human bodies. The oil stopped. The miracle ended. He said, go sell the oil. Pay your debts and live off what's left. Church, can I tell you something? I'm not worried about the enemy standing at the door knocking. As long as I have my revelation three, him standing at my door knocking. The Bible says he anoints my head with oil. My cup overfloweth. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22 says he set his seal of ownership on us. The Bible says he's tattooed my name on his hand. So every time I go to prayer, if he anoints me, he's got my name already there. He restores my identity. That culture and mindset and this world is trying to steal from our kids. That's why you have got to get out of bed in the morning time and lay hands on your kids. That's why you've got to pray in the spirit. That's why you've got to put a demand on the earth. But I want to say something to you. The churches that are not bringing in the vessels, the oil has stopped. And old oil, I grew up working at a service station. My grandfather owned service stations. I worked on cars my whole life. I will tell you, old oil stinks. And it draws flies. And what you got to understand is Holy Spirit is saying tonight or this morning, I am moving right now across this room and I am looking for people that are desperate once again for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm looking for people that are hungry for God and all over this place, I want you to lift your hands and we're going to do it again. We're going to do it one more time. Hold on, no music for just a second. Just for a second, whatever campus you're at right now, stop the music for a second. Hold on. I want you to watch this. I want you to simply say this. Raise your hands. And you're going to do this one thing. And this is what God just told me to do. And I have to do what he tells me to do. Because I will not be held in contempt in his court. So you have to understand. I'm doing what he's speaking to my spirit. He just told me to do this. Holy Spirit's about to hit the room right now. He says, I'm about to move. I'm about to anoint. I'm about to shift some people all over this room. I'm about to change some things. I'm about to invade their house. I'm about to grab their children. But first, let's do it one more time. Simply say, the one who breaks all the bonds. The one who restores our soul. 
that breaks all the curses, breaks all the lies of the enemy. I simply want you to say the name of Jesus upon whose which the anointing flows. Are you ready? Simply say, Jesus. One, two, say it with boldness. I'm telling you, this is what he's telling me to do. And everything that has been whispering and coming at your family, the spirit of fear must step back. Everything that has been lying to you, telling you're going to die, must step back. One, two, say his name. Three, Jesus! Lift your hands. Holy Spirit, would you flood across this room? Go ahead and begin to move, God, right across this room. Begin to move, Holy Spirit, move across this room. Why do you pray in the Spirit? Because I can. That's why. With your hands raised, wherever you're at, whatever campus you're on, Redbug, Michigan Street, out in the foyer, online, in this room, with your hands raised, even if you're not a believer, say, God, I need you. Put your hands down. Shut your eyes. Feel him whispering, he's calling, he's calling, he's calling your name. Won't you come back to me? Every eye shut. If an entire high school campus can give their heart to God, if a young man can stand up with cerebral palsy in a wheelchair and begin to worship at that campus that broke it open. God is saying, I want you back. I never left you during the pandemic. I never walked out on you. I have been here the whole time, but you've believed media more than me. Some of you have experienced some tragedy during this time. And I'm so sorry. I know that pain. I really actually do. But right now across this room, God is saying there are those that he has been trying to get your attention and he is about to pour oil on crusty dry ground. Those of you that are in this room that have walked away, that are watching online, that are at Red Bug Lake, that are at Michigan Street. And God is saying, I want all of you. And if you say, I need to sell out to Jesus right now. And I don't give a rip what anybody thinks, even if you've done it a thousand times. I am desperate for God to be my Lord and Savior. If you are desperate and don't care what nobody thinks, raise your hand now. Raise it up. I don't care what anybody thinks. Hands are going up all over this place. You're saying, now, keep that hand up. If you say, I haven't raised my hand yet because that doesn't quite qualify me yet, Pat. I love God. I've just taken a season off. God is saying, the enemy's at your front door. I'm on your front porch roaring on your behalf. I've been fighting for you. If you say, I need God to restore my soul and I need a complete restoration of my heart for him, raise your hand with them. Third call. If you say, Pat... I haven't felt him in a long time. I need him back. I need him back. Raise your hand. If you just raise your hand from the front to the back, all over this place, and if you need to slip out, you go. We understand. But God is saying, I'm moving, and he's going to move tonight. But I've got to give this call first. If you just raise your hand, wherever you're at, walk towards the front right now. Come on. I don't care. Come on, altar team. Come on, pastors. Come and join us all over this room. If you're bold enough to come walking up here, if you're bold enough to come up here and say, I've had enough, man, he's all over you. Wow. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on. Walk down here from the balcony to the floor. If he can come down here, a mighty man, and weep and wail, you can. How dare you say, I'll get back to you, God. God ain't a get back to you, God. Closer. Come closer. Come closer, come on. We're going to wait on you. Oh, 
Michigan Street, Red Bug Lake, those that are at home, those that are at work, those that are catching the stream later, wherever you're at, lift one hand. Everybody in the house say, I will. Now raise the other hand and say, surrender. You know what you just did? You just prepared yourself for the cross. That's why we raise our hands. So with your hands raised from the front to the back, and those of you who came down here, I am so stinking proud of you. This is amazing. Say, Jesus. No, no, no. Hold on. We messed up, didn't we? No music. Say it boldly. No music online. No music at Red Bug or Michigan Street. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Help. Help. Say, Jesus, change me. Forgive me. Restore me. Heal my heart. Restore my soul. Stir me to want more of you. Fix my family. Be my savior. Now say this with boldness. You. Get ready. Things are going to shake off. Fall off you. Chains are going to fall off you. Say you are the Christ. The one true God. And this day, I declare you are my Lord. Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Some of you are going to start praying the Spirit right now. It's going to hit you. He's going to restore your prayer language right now. Say it. Jesus, heal me in my body. Jesus, fix my home. Fix my life. Jesus, anoint my head with oil. Restore my identity. Here he comes. Here he comes. Cry out, cry out, cry out, cry out all across this room. Cry out right now. Cry out across this room. Cry out, cry out, cry out. Somebody start screaming, Jesus. Somebody fight for your family right now. Say, my kids are coming back. My marriage is being restored. Come on, cry out across this room. Say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Do you realize every time you do that, an, an outer rim around your house of protection takes place? No, that sounds weird. I know, right? But it's like waves. Do it again. Jesus. 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 Jesus over my house. Jesus over my city. Jesus over my nation. Jesus over my world. Jesus. The woman ran to salvation. Elisha's name means salvation. We say, oh. Come on, lift your hands. Yes, it overflows. Oh, we say, come on, come on. Yes, it My cup is running over. Come on, church! And it overflows. Yes, it overflows. Lift your hands and say, Yes, it overflows. 
not emphasize enough the importance of you being here tonight. I ask that God will wake you up throughout the day. That you'll be walking through your house and you just step into his presence. But we'll see you back here tonight in a moment. Pastor Johnny's going to dismiss you. But it's 7 o'clock tonight, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Can you not give him four days? So if you need a miracle in your house, when I count to three, watch God scream Jesus. One, two, three. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.